Hello and welcome to, I can't believe it, season seven of This AFL Life. I am your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I am joined by the gang again this year, Rachel Hibbert. Happy New Year, Al. Thanks, mate. And uh, Susan Cadman. Thanks for having me back, Alison. My pleasure. <laughs> new, new Year, same us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've had round one of the AFLW season and you may tell from the audio quality that we are back on Zoom because we are in another COVID wave. Have you guys avoided catching the plague so far? Yes, I've been on the dodging weave. I've had housemates with it and my whole workplace and very close contacts and almost everyone I know in Melbourne right now is under house arrest. So, but somehow at this very point, you know, on the 12th of January at 7.55 PM, (laughs) I have dodged it for the most part. Yes. Amazing. Yes. I'll, um, somehow my whole immediate family has had COVID in the last fortnight. And so is my partner. And even though we were sharing a room for 10 days, I managed to dodge thus far. So yes, let's mark this on the 12th of January, 2022. I'm still COVID free, touch wood. Um, But it does, it does feel rather imminent. I must must say, um, yeah. I will I will be a bit pissed off though if I haven't got it from my immediate family or my partner, and then I pick it up from some rando on public transport or at the footy. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's okay, um, but it just means that I'll be doing ISO by myself if that's the case. Um, yeah, oh, everyone else has done it. So, how about you, Al? Have you managed to dodge the bullet? You've I- um, just come back from quite the picturesque. Yeah, holiday. I've been uh, in Jarvis Bay in New South Wales for two weeks uh, and I was saying to Caddy off air, literally did two or three supermarket runs and just stayed at the house and went to the beach. So I've been in a very COVID safe bubble for two weeks um, and I'm super relaxed (laughs) and I've had (laughs) my booster and I'm just feeling bulletproof at the moment. So this will come back to bite me. You're looking very tanned, I must say. Oh, thank you. No, I did spend a lot of time at the beach, so I'm glad Healthy. it's paid off. Yes. Nice. I'm glad we've thus far been able to dodge it. That says says good things for this AFL life uh, immune system, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yep. Um, so there was also some footy played on the weekend. What? No, really? Yeah. <laughs> How did it feel? for the two of you to have AFLW back so soon in the new year? Because it, it was really weird for me. I was still away. Um, I didn't come back till Saturday night. So it was all a bit strange watching it uh, on TV on Friday night, particularly. How did you guys find it? Uh, well, I was out of reception in the middle of nowhere, Tasmania, when the season started. So it felt really strange and not to be involved in that. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think what you're insinuating, Alison, is that perhaps the season is a bit too early on, or the timing is not quite right yet again for the season. Um, if you're, if that's what you're trying to say, then yes, I agree. <laughs> well, it's maybe a little roundabout way of saying what a ridiculous time to start the season, <laughs> because people are away. Like 
you have to take a break. There's just so many things that um, had to be dodged as well. So people or AFLW players were dodging Christmas. They were dodging New Year's Eve. They were dodging COVID. Like lots of things that are normally celebrated at the end of the year and at the beginning of the year kind of just had to be put on hold in their lives. And I, like you said, I think everyone needs a break. But I also think people need time to celebrate and to reflect on the year that's been and not necessarily just be amping up for the next 365 days. And, and the players went through a lot last year. Mm. Um, and I, I just don't think they've had a chance to, to settle down and to settle into their clubs as well. You think about those, those draftees and we, I imagine we will get to some of the excellent players that we did see um, on the fields throughout the weekend, but I just, wonder whether they've had time to settle into a team environment and and feel like they're in a community I don't know I'm Mm. not one of them but that's kind of I I empathize not empathize I sympathize for them um in that regard so and like school holidays everyone's away they're not necessarily going to the footy yeah exactly yeah exactly right um so last season um as part of our review of each round we would we would pick out positives and RFIs and for the uninitiated uh, RFI stands for room for improvement. Um, but I think we're just going to, we're not going to do that this week. Um, there was, a, there was a lot of positive things to come out of the weekend and it was some really great footy was played, but I think for all of us uh, and particularly you two, I think the injuries that have come out of round one, just really significant. And I just us like us to really, kind of talk about that you both have played footy for a long time you've both suffered pretty significant injuries in your footy careers and with AFLW athletes being part-time athletes I just wanted to talk to you both about how much have your injuries you know impacted your life away from football yeah I mean obviously nothing compares to the commitment and the time put in by AFLW players compared to of me playing community footy back in the day but um I mean I think that particularly with such a short season that they have um they pretty much it's a 12 month it's a 12 month a year gig no matter what they say because um that's how sport goes you can't just switch it on and off six months a year but um and I think it's part of people's identity as well as their kind of their, their, their mental health their sense of community part of their overall identity and I think that <clears throat> you can't underestimate the impact of a long-term injury on on yourself particularly two of the players who've done injury ACL injuries have already had them before so you know they know exactly what's coming for them and I think that's possibly worse because you know the hearts how hard it's going to be um yeah I mean I think it's really and it and I think, I mean, I don't know what what these players do for uh, for work life or whatever out of footy, but um, you can't walk with an ACL injury, so mm. no, like, like it's likely to impact their ability to work as well and make any sort of income outside of football. So they're not only losing their identity and all the all the things I just mentioned regarding football, but they're likely to be significantly impacted, you know, um, with their working life as well. So. Uh, it's just heartbreaking. Like I think it was a collective heartbreak when all of those injuries happened mm. on the weekend. And 
um, just all this week as well throughout the media and throughout the footy fans. Um, you know, it's almost disbelief a little bit. Mm. But, yeah. And uh, just to recap, in case anyone's been living under a rock, the three players that suffered uh, ACL injuries were Bree Davey, Izzy Huntington and Kate Lutkins. Three just superstar players and three, you know, real favourites here at this AFL Life. Um, but there were also a couple of other really significant injuries. Dakota Davidson has a foot injury. She's going to miss, you know, five to six weeks. And and I think Grace Egan also from Carlton has got uh, broken ribs and a punctured lung, also going to miss around five to six weeks. So, yeah, Hiba, what, what's your feeling? I felt sick, as did many people. I know watching that happen in real life. And then again, with the replays, I think that was the thing that made me feel even worse was they just kept replaying the, the sequence of these athletes being injured. And as someone who's done that twice, uh, that's what makes my stomach churn. And even at training last night, so we, I had my first session back at training last night and I was quite thankful to have been given a preemptive bib from Tinny that was non-contact and I hadn't even really spoken to our coach yet about the fact that I was feeling nervous or that I hadn't necessarily been cleared to be non-contact because I actually have been cleared but when she gave me that bib I actually took a sigh of relief and thought oh my god okay I just don't have to give 110% in this training session I've kind of been given a a free pass here um so I did feel a bit sick and I think outside of football it got mentioned on air when Izzy Huntington did her knee by by Beck Goddard it's not just football it is her personal life it's her work life um these things all come into account Izzy is um an academic so thankfully that kind of work can be done from the couch or or your bedroom, but it's not comfortable. And she knows the lengths it takes, as does Brie Davey, to get back to an elite level of sport. Brie Davey, I'm not sure of her profession outside of football. I think she works at Collingwood Football Club um, in some capacity. And Kate Lutkins is actually in the army. So her job will be significantly um, impacted by such an injury, which obviously from, from that job, she'd have to get signed off to play football. And I'm sure there's insurance all that kind of jazz but it just takes a toll on your personal life as well you can't do things that you want to go and do even just having a drink you can't or you shouldn't really go and you know have drown your sorrows in 10 pints because it's no good for your recovery or your general health mind you but (laughs) um (laughs) yeah I just it my heart breaks and it broke three times on the weekend and Football is excellent and football sometimes feels like the be all and end all, but you really have to weigh up now what what comes next. I mean, that's the second one for Brie Davey. It's the third one for Izzy mm. and and for Kate Lutkins, I think she's 34 or 35 maybe even now. It's, it's an extensive recovery. I mean, Aaron Phillips did it, but took a toll. Mm. And what do you guys think of all the talk around this week about um... – the part-time nature and the timing of the season and whether there's a correlation between that and and these injuries potentially like you can't you got to feel that there's got to be something in that you know we're in lockdown till November yeah. <laughs> yeah and the season started on the first weekend of January and I know that there were permissions granted for Victorian clubs I'm thinking of in particular um and Sydney club 
um, to train, but there's got to be something in that as well, doesn't there? The, there were a few practice matches that actually got cancelled as well. So for some of these clubs, this was the first game of football, competitive mm. football, that they've played against another team in however many months. And especially for players who uh, didn't play at all during the se- during the um, state league seasons last year, that's the first game in 10 months. That's an extensive period of time to not play a sport. Yeah. And can I say that the game is sped up yet again? It, it appears on oh, the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's all it's somehow stepped up a level with probably the least amount of game. Um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like game practice, I guess. Game um, practice in the legs of the players than mm. ever and however the game is honestly feels 50% quicker again just was so quick yeah getting back to practice matches I mean even for you know VFLW you have you usually schedule in at least two sometimes three or four um, and I know AFLW is a much shorter season but I just can't believe that they just didn't have much lead in because you can train all you want but like you're saying about the pace of the game, like you just match fitness is something else entirely. And I actually had the first conversation with my dad that didn't revolve around, well, it's, it's, you know, not necessarily the right game for women. (laughs) And (laughs) as, as a physio, I take his advice quite literally. I think there's some things that I, think a bible from my dad and then there are some things that you just have to kind of shove under the rug but he actually called me up and said Rachel I think this is this they're not doing the best thing by their players the fact that it's in the heat on the hot ground they haven't had practice matches women are already more susceptible to these injuries we know that there's science behind this and I kind of gasped I was like dad really and he's like yes this is just it's so hard to watch because I don't want these women to be injured like this. Mm. I was like, dad, thank, thank you. Like that means a lot because he's been my number one supporter really just, you know, he loves, he loves watching us play. He just knows how hard it is on our bodies, not having the same facilities and time to learn the sport as, as he did growing up. Um, So that meant a lot to hear, actually, from from my old man. Yeah, well, I just think a lot of things are going to keep circling back to this conundrum about the athletes being part-time. Um, the AFL released Women's Football Vision 2021 to 2030 in early December, and there there is an aspiration for AFLW athletes to be the highest paid domestic athletes in the country and that is female domestic athletes in the country and that's that's a great aspiration but there is still a reluctance to use the language of full-time athletes Uh, Nicole Livingston in the press conference said she would prefer to refer to it as a year-long or year-round athletes which I still just don't think is good enough like Caddy said this is not a It's not a six-month thing where you just turn it on when you sign a contract and you turn it off at the end of the last game. It's all-encompassing. And sometimes it shouldn't be, but it is because that's 
what your life revolves around for that time of for that time of your life and you want to throw everything you can at it to be the best that's that's the whole role of an elite athlete is to be the best that you can be not to half-ass something because the people who half-ass it don't end up being the best yeah and I think I said this on one of our episodes last year like I kind of feel like AFLW players are expected to get better in a vacuum, you know, to produce a better, a better product, but like, you can't do that. You have to, you have to pay them more. Mm. Dare I say that the improvements we saw this weekend on last year's games were huge and that they should be so immensely proud of the products they have put together over the last 10 months in the in the off season, in the free season, they call it, where they're not contracted technically by the club, but they are doing everything right mm. and what the club asks them to do. So the product that they've produced and put on the field last week alone, I think, was so entertaining, and they should be so proud of how far they've they've brought this game, and it can only go in an upward trajectory from here. So, oh, just just keep going is my is my mantra I think just keep on swimming and I think also another implication of the part-time nature of AFLW not just for the athletes but for staff as well is that it looks like the Western Bulldogs may not be able to play their game this week because they have a number of players and staff isolating under the COVID protocols um Again, <laughs> because they're real people that are existing in the real world, we're going to have a potentially a really disrupted season. I'd like to point out that in the last episode of 2021, <laughs> I questioned, I threw it to the table and I said, what happens next year if COVID takes hold and we have to go into a hub or something? And I had two blank faces looking at me saying, Hiba, don't be silly. We're vaccinated now. Like they can't, they can't do anything like that. They won't put them into hubs. It'll be fine. Well, guys. This this is before I knew that Omicron was part of the Greek alphabet. So. (laughs) Oh, what is, and like the policies about rescheduling games or bringing in your train-ons. I'm rather baffled by it and I just think it's going to be so disrupted and they now have a list of emergency emergencies per club. Can I just point to the Men's Big Bash League? This has just happened to the Melbourne Stars. They had to bring in a bunch of players from club cricket to fill (laughs) their team so that they could continue with the Big Bash. And they're on bottom. They're now on the bottom of the ladder because they can't compete with professional cricketers. <laughs> um, oh, no. So, not to like, I guess I'm just saying, sport in general is in a bit of strife here because I don't think we've quite figured out how to manage this. Because really, what you need is bigger lists, but they don't have the funding to support bigger lists. And then, because of the nature of sport. And training everyone's each other's close contacts so mm. um, when one's down <laughs> it's highly likely there's a bunch going down with them so will we find the next scott boland but aflw version of scott boland either of you know who scott boland is 
Yeah, he's a Parkdale boy. Ah, look at that. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, Hibba, you got to get out of that uh, non-contact bib then. Yeah, look. I know that a particular list manager listens to this podcast <laughs> and if you're listening to this one, you've got my number. <laughs> um, okay, change of pace. What were your positives from this week? Because it was a pretty sad week watching uh, some of our favourites be struck down with injury, but what were the positives for you guys? I think that um, it was really, really exciting to see Richmond play some very good football. I know St Kilda might be seen as a bit of a weaker opposition potentially, but I was so impressed with how they were moving the footy. Um, You know, a few years in, maybe they're starting to hit the sweet spot with their recruitment, getting the right balance across the field. So I thought Richmond in particular were a huge positive from the weekend Um, in a, Part of that was seeing Monconti just <laughs> absolutely carving it up. Like, oh my god! I don't think I don't remember ever seeing him play that well. That just so dominant, and just a step ahead of everybody at all times. Mm. Um, I thought she's finally had a. I think I don't think she played basketball. She, has she done a full preseason? Yeah, footy, and one. I think this is her yeah. first one. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Like, I think it's super exciting. Um, and can I just say that it was pretty exciting to see Cora Stoughton at 40 years old playing AFLW and kicking a goal. And I think that's just like 40 years old playing AFLW when it's in, um, you know, played at the speed it is. Mm. I reckon that was a pretty big highlight that should be celebrated. Does that mean that Aaron Phillips can keep going for another X amount of years, do we think? She'll play till she's 50, for sure. (laughs) I wish. I wish. I agree. I think my positive from the entire round was just the the vast improvement from most teams. And I also really thoroughly enjoyed watching the Fremantle-West Coast game. And I think Frio have just been a really dominant team for the last five seasons. And we we thought, you know, coming into the sixth that they'd be just as dominant, which, yes, they – produced a lot of good footy in that game it was it was quite amazing but they also utilized the conditions down at Fremantle which is as long as you're kicking with the Frio doctor in the fourth quarter you should win um which they did so they really penalized West Coast in that fourth quarter but West Coast had really really improved from what I'd watched them do last year and we've already mentioned Richmond uh Geelong it was Amazing to see Nina Morrison back out there. She just seemed like she was oh, everywhere. That was just... going to be mine, Hiba. Sorry. Another another of my knee pals. Um, just touching wood there. But, um, yeah, so with Nemo and Chris Parkus in that Geelong outfit, it's it's something to be, to be watched over the next coming few weeks as well. And also I'm just highlighting so many things here, but Ash Riddell in – that game as well for me. I think she equaled the leading disposals across the competition with 35, um, which is a whole lot of footy in 60 minutes of game time. Um, She, yeah, just tore it up that park, tore up Arden Street. So just the vast improvement, I think, across the grounds um, and around the country was was really great. What about you, Al? What did you think were your positives? (laughs) 
I agree with Caddy. Um, watching Richmond on Friday night, um, it, yeah, things just seemed to click for them, and it was really exciting to see. Um, again, Nina Morrison just back where she belongs. Um, but also her working with Georgie Prasparkas um, in her first game gets a Rising Star nomination. Like they're just going to be a really dynamic duo for many, many years. It's really exciting. I also just wanted to jump in and give a shout out to former This AFL Life host, Darcy Vessio. Just before the season started, they came out as non-binary on their social media platforms. And I think Darcy would know deep down the huge, huge impact that, um, that that would have. So I just wanted to mention, Darcy, you're an absolute superstar on and off the field. Here, here, Al. Yeah, that's awesome. I just think that um, having such a huge figurehead of the AFLW making such a, um, I guess, sharing such a personal thing so comfortably with the world. Um, it was really interesting to see, like, I guess on social media, once it came out, the comments of people who, so many comments of people sort of saying like, I don't really understand what this is, but like supporting you all the way and stuff like that. And you just think about, oh my God, the reach that this one person has yeah. and the bravery in putting that out there. Um, I just think it's so great because it got people, it gets people talking and mm. that's, you know, that's just huge. Um, and I think really brave because you've got to have a thick skin to be, you know, one of the kind of pioneers or not pioneers, like leading the way, I suppose, in in those conversations and making it. And, and obviously Darcy's been a really big advocate within the LGBTIQ community for a long time, but sharing, like, this is a really big thing to share um, and putting yourself out there like that. I just thought it was really brave as well. So, yeah, it's just just so great to do just so great for Darcy, for Carlton, for footy um, and, yeah. and the community. Yeah, absolutely. Just think about the number of conversations it would have started. It's just, yeah, it's really hats off to us. So I love our listeners and they have sent in a huge amount of questions and would you rather's this week. So let's just get stuck right in. First cab off the rank, B underscore win. How do you oh. think Richmond will go this season? Go the Mighty Tigers. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kate. Um, one of the biggest Richmond Tigers supporters in Australia, so not shocked to hear this question at all. I think as we touched on already that the Tigers are looking good. I mean, I'm really, really excited for the match on Friday against the Demons because – I think they play a similar kind of footy and I think it will be a really, really good barometer of where they're at to play a team like Demons so early in the season. And I think win or lose for Tigers, they'll learn a lot from the game um, and they'll only improve. I mean, I personally think that they seem to have the balance right across the field now. They've got the right level of experience balanced with um, people playing in the right positions and I think they've recruited really smartly. So I think, I mean, I think they're going to win a couple of games this year, which is probably what they're shooting for, I imagine. Mm. It's realistic. Um, But I would love to see them really take it to one of the 
the leading teams, you know, get a win or at least really, really take them to the edge personally. But yeah. For sure. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Okay, next one. PT core underscore officials isn't really a question, but a comment. Uh, I was excited all week to hear your reactions to the round. So thanks, PT core. Um, Probably didn't give you a heap of reactions other than, you know, intense sadness about all the injuries but uh but happiness that footy's back exactly footy is back okay scooby snacks here we go (laughs) are there more acls in round one if true is the round cursed or is something else going on that's actually an excellent question because i have a bit of PTSD from other rounds where the first two sorry other seasons where the first two or three rounds had some really significant injuries and then it kind of petered out and people stopped talking about it and it was everything was okay I actually will do some research about this this week to to find out um but I think it goes back to what we've been speaking about in terms of game time and playing and um finding finding your feet I suspect I'm interested to know here. I, I'm looking forward to your return statistics next uh, potty, but I suspect that round one or maybe round one and two are very high because of the reasons we spoke about. Um, a lot of it is also luck, though. Like, we do need to remember that, you know, some people are also more genetically, you know, inclined to these injuries as well. But, yeah, um, looking forward to hearing what the statistics say here. The other statistic in that that I will look at is what time of game these injuries happen because I know that a lot of it comes down to fatigue and um, when you just mm. kind of lose lose a moment's concentration, sometimes it comes down to that when it's deceleration or change of direction where normally you would have taken one smaller step instead of one enormous one um, or landing awkwardly. Uh, I'll be really interested to to look a little bit deeper into that. So, gosh, I'm going to have to do homework. Wow. <laughs> but, I, but I volunteer myself to find this out for all of our listeners. Okay, next question, another one from Scooby Snacks. You caught Omicron on New Year's and now you have to isolate. Who from AFL would you want to ISO with? Who wouldn't you want to ISO with? give reasons well I think it's very telling Hiba <laughs> that you're not in ISO with your housemate Gabby Coleman <laughs> yeah for, for the listeners I think Alan um Caddy have heard this story probably too many times but yes I'm I'm a nomad at the moment I'm dodging COVID every day yes but um it ripped through the Melbourne camp um I don't think it I don't think they each caught it from each other I think obviously everyone had their own Christmas and New Year's and they came back and there was a few cases and a few of the players got out last week. Um, But Gabby was about two days behind everyone else, which meant she missed round one, unfortunately for her um, and the team. And she, I think she got out of isolation today, but yeah, I um, have done enough lockdown with Gab. Um, (laughs) So I I didn't go home. Um, Oh, God. I think I'd probably, 
I'd probably do it with someone who is a health professional. Are there anyone in the, the system that we think are health professionals, that we know are health professionals? Well, I think, didn't Libby Birch just get her master's in physio? Okay. Yeah, I'll take Libba. That sounds like a good plan. I reckon I'll take someone who's funny. And do you know who's been really, I've been um, in my lockdown. I'm not year. on an AFLW list, Caddy. Sorry. Oh, that's true. All right. That's my answer done. No, um, I've actually got myself um, on onto Twitter. I don't know how to use it, but I just read things and I follow people because that's what you do, right? That's what it's for. I see you. I know you two are on it and you're doing things, but um, Kate McCarthy is an absolute cracker. I think she's got some hilarious things to say. And I feel like if I was stuck with someone, I think I would want it to be someone who'd entertain me. Um, and that's my answer for a little bit of a left field answer. I think that's a good answer I would like to retract mine don't put mine on don't put mine on at all (laughs) I'll have a think who would you who would you isolate with Al or is there anyone that you would purposefully avoid uh well I think I would maybe isolate with Chelsea Randall because she's very handy like she could fix things in my house yeah I think that'd be really useful set her to work yeah like she really likes a project so I think that would be really like beneficial um who wouldn't I probably wouldn't want to isolate with like someone who's like crazy 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 fit who or has lots of energy is like bouncing off walls all the time you know like probably what I'm saying is a really young player like a who's got heaps of energy who's like a um I think I think Caddy so Caddy's just mentioned that she wouldn't want to isolate with someone who was full of beans because sometimes isolation or most of the time it's not about being full of beans Mm -hmm. I also think Caddy you might not want to isolate with the Hosking twins because (laughs) they play incredible pranks on one another and I don't want to be a part of Denkerub on my bum yeah absolutely (laughs) I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jess Hosking you can have the other one yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. The pranks, I find, um, confession time, I find that really awful, the pranks. I'm not a prank. I'm not a prank person. I never, I have ne- never pulled a prank on anyone, like aside from maybe, you know, jumping out from a corner and saying mm-hmm. boo. <laughs> I just don't That's prank. Good to know, well. I just find it. Yeah. No, I find good it. Good to know. I find it horrific. <laughs> like why, why would you do that to your it- sister? I, and I think oh. I was going to say, I think it's a sibling thing. So you always have a sibling. I have a sibling. So do I. I have two. But I think it's maybe it's a twin thing that like they'll they'll always be they always have been and always will be stuck with each other. So they may as well enjoy each other's company by doing stupid things to each other. I don't know, but I, yeah, okay. So none of us will isolate with the Hosking twins. Mm. I have thought of who I would like to isolate with. And it is in the household of Darcy Vessio, Darcy's partner, Darcy's partner's sister, and Darcy's partner's sister's partner. So <laughs> that house. It is a fun house. Yeah, definitely. And, two dogs. and they've got two dogs. Two dogs, so yeah. 
I like them all. I, I don't know if they all like me, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm coming over. <laughs> okay. The next question is from Anonymous. Is this the season that Sam Lane meets Scooby Snacks? <laughs> <laughs> Was it Sam Lane? <laughs> no, they, they requested that they remain anonymous. Okay. Um, look, I, I kind of want to keep the mystery alive, personally. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I could, I know. could try and make it happen, but maybe I just won't. <laughs> if yeah. Sam Lane would like to meet Scooby Snacks, we can have a this AFL life meetup at some stage. True, and they'd just be both required to be there. It's yeah. as simple as that. Um, Thornbury Horticulture and Design. How do I face this weekend? After round one's injuries, it's look. I'm not sure. I don't have the answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the answer. But look, you just got to attack it like a game of footy. You know, just yeah. the next contest. Just got to dust yourself yeah, off think, and think yeah. about the next contest. Well, think about um, this is a good way to think of it. I reckon is what spaces that now open up three key positions for three in three key teams. That opens up a whole new opportunity for another player to step up and take on that mantle of the, you know, there's what, you know, across the field. And I think that that's exciting to keep an eye on that, to see how teams adapt and what players do step up. So, you know, if you need something, I reckon that's something you can hold on to as well. Yeah, Agreed. for sure. And as, and as supporters of AFLW in general, we just have to keep turning up. Yeah. Okay. Next question, Row 87 Thoughts on old faces playing in new positions and who was your favourite debutante for the round? You know what? I actually really liked Tani White and Lucas Rod playing in the middle for St Kilda. Mm. Tani White was outstanding defense, defensive player. Yeah. Um, so already has that mindset of what needs to be done to make sure the ball doesn't go behind her. Um, so, yeah, I agree, Al. I think that was standout for me. Um, favorite debutante. I can't even say the word. Favorite debutante, probably Georgie Prasparkas for me. I too. mean, it's hard to go past, but I'm trying to think who else. Um, the other person who is an old face but in a new jumper. Um, I really loved seeing Katie Loins at GWS. Uh, yeah. I think she did a lot for that group, and mm. so did Chloe Dalton until she um, unfortunately went down with a bung shoulder. But I think Katie Lawrence just um, kind of filled a bit of a gap in that GWS lineup, and Taylor Harris at Melbourne really just looked at home. I think in that outfit. I was gonna say, what's her name? Who went from Carlton to Collingwood played a very good game. Oh, Tall Alison, brunette, Alison Downey. Oh, Downey. Yeah, Downey. I thought she was excellent. Yeah. Oh, Paige Trudgeon for Carlton. So it was her first game. And I didn't know who she was until she had like six contested possessions in a row. Um, she did really, really well in the back line for Carlton uh, alongside Kez Harrington. So she's one That's that I'll exciting. be watching over the next few weeks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, it's funny because I think maybe in the off season, even more this year, just the talk about all of these players has been so exciting. I've kind of forgotten that none of, some of them haven't played footy before. Like all these young players, you <laughs> yeah. know, got big names and big expectations and you just forget that actually this is their first games of AFLW. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, yeah, it is exciting. 
to see him next few rounds. Okay, next question uh, from Twitter uh, at Torak. Heck yeah, welcome back. What do you think would benefit the players more? Two more preseason games or two more rounds of footy? That is an excellent question. But it's also like almost an excellent would you rather <laughs> because I would like a longer yeah. season and I would like them to have a longer preseason. Well, you know, more practice games. I think for the sake of having more a more equal competition, two more games to try and get them nearly playing each other twice, you know, closer to playing them each other twice is going to benefit them. Um, so I'm, I months, will always Patty. choose. Yeah, I'll always choose two more games in a season. I think for that. Okay, next question from at Data Kid. What are the constraints on the rising star? Love Mia King, loved her game on the weekend, but I know her name. She played every game last season and a couple in 2019. Do you know what, Data Kid? I actually don't know what the eligibility rules are around the rising star, and I probably really should. So I will will, uh, research that during the week and let you know. Wait, I'm doing really quick. A player player must must be under 21. And not previously nominated. Oh, there you go. Thanks. That's it. Perfect. Okay, um, next one. Now, this is from at Claire Cozy. And I just want to say she's taken a long run up. There's some really good questions here. She's like, she's just dialed out a few. So let's just get through them. Is the expansion of Port Adelaide, the only way the dominance of Adelaide will perhaps plateau? I think the competition are catching up to Adelaide and I think their dominance has plateaued as everyone else has risen to meet them. Um, So in South Australia, probably, um, because (laughs) that makes two teams. But I think across the competition, my opinion is that they are plateauing. I think that the expansion is going to – I'm excited for the expansion to see how it plays out, but it might it might even the field a little bit, actually. I think that's a fair assumption. Um, I feel like the Crows, they've had this similar list for a few seasons now, so they yeah. really obviously they're, – they're really – trying to hold them close and I think it would take a fair bit if they don't win a premiership this year it would take a fair bit for particular players I reckon to leave the club when it's in such a strong position with such a strong it appears to be a strong culture so um, I reckon yeah it it definitely will impact it but I think um, I'm not sure how much but because the South Australian League is so strong that they put Adelaide are going to do well, um, even just recruiting from their local pool as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. I've kind of forgot about the expansion teams and all the excitement of the yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I want to give the Crows a few more weeks to see how their form goes. But, yeah, I think eventually Port Adelaide coming in will have an impact, especially – once the, the new draftees have a few seasons under their belt. Um, next question. Why does Carlton hemorrhage so much talent slash leadership? Something I was really frustrated by watching the Carlton game on the weekend was 
one of our faves, June Aliso Day, giving away a number of free kicks out of and two goals actually, um, and that came from fifty meter penalties, just from sheer irresponsibility. And I don't know the answer to your question, but I don't know. What's your opinion, Al? You're you're an avid Carlton follower and supporter. What's your observation? Look, I mean, I don't know if they hemorrhage talent, and uh, I mean, it's a that's a brutal question, Claire. I do love it on a level, but um, their leaders definitely let them down on the weekend. Um, three of the fifty minute penalties were from leaders. Um, uh, June gave away two. Thus, probably a bit unlucky. Gave away the other, and look, they they had a really dirty day. Like it just, they never got going. Obviously players were frustrated, but you just have to curb the frustration. Yeah. And, and you do, you do have to, to show some leadership. And I don't think, um, I don't think Darcy and June would be particularly happy with the way they played. And um, I'm sure they'll be addressing that this week. I was disappointed in general with Carlton's fade out in that game, actually. I thought that, you know, obviously Collingwood are a very, very strong team, but I thought Carlton were playing really well and then they just lost their way. And I think you wouldn't want to play, put the place to blame on acts like that, but surely things like that um, do impact a team and um, how they're playing throughout a game. And there's little small, very, very small um, lack of discipline acts. They, mm. they really, yeah, I think... Um, I, think, I, I don't think it was. I don't think we'll see it again this season, though. Yeah. I suspect from Carlton. Yeah, you'd hope not, because I mean, we do remember that game last year that they lost in thirty seconds to Frio, which I still don't understand how they lost oh. that game. But they just kind of, yeah, the, the leaders really need to to keep their heads. Yeah, so I really do hope it's the last time we see that this season from the Blues. Um, next question: Is the key to a flag less about the tall forward and more about the smalls? Well, I think particularly with Melbourne, I think a lot of the focus obviously is on Taylor Harris because it's quite a big move. But I would say that Kate Hoare is one of the best forwards, best, most dangerous forwards in the AFLW. Yep, she's continued on a good form, hasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Straight back into it. Um, I'm with you, Elle. I think the small forwards, I personally think the way the game's being played, the small forward is the more important forward, like you think of, a, for example, a Darcy Vessio who won, who kicked the most goals in the league last year. Small forward, you know what I mean? Like I think, and I think we've seen again and again and again, you know, kicking long to the tall, to, the, to Taylor Harris, to Sabrina Fred, Frederick, but um, it's, it doesn't. There's the occasion where on a, in a game where they'll kick a few and they'll really dominate a game, but I just don't, I, I don't think AFLW and think, Tall for, like tall forwards as being dominant parts of the game, personally. Um, yeah, I think with five 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 v five in the attack and defensive fifty, uh, you need a key defender to match up with the tall forward because without a key defender, they're just free game and they will take marks and kick goals, which then frees up those other four dangerous forwards or three to run havoc. And we've seen that with Hodder at Brisbane mm. and we've seen that um, with Kalinda at Gold Coast. I think 
um, you've got Perko there as well, who's a dangerous forward when she's not defended properly. Uh, and so Kalinda's just running around doing her thing, kicking goals from everywhere. North Melbourne, not the tallest outfit, but yes, I think they win games based on small midfielders streaming through kicking goals alongside their their small forwards who just come around, pick up the crumbs and, and kick goals. Um, I I agree with that sentiment really that that the small forwards win win these these games. You watch all the tall forwards kick a shitload of that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goals this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Katie Brennan <laughs> with seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, last question from Claire. These have been absolute pearlers, but um on a scale of one to ten, how compromised is this season? Ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of feel in a way that, that everyone's everyone's in the same boat. So it's just gonna be luck. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is really down to luck. Who doesn't get COVID and who doesn't get sick and who doesn't get injured? And can we even play full nine rounds of footy? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Will we have enough players to actually field teams? Ten for me? Yeah. Ten out of ten. I'm about a ten as well. Hey, Hiba, do you know what it's time for now? I do. I think it's time for Would You Rather. So um, LJ Moorcroft, would you rather Collingwood forward line or the Melbourne forward line? I'm just going to say Melbourne, mainly because of Kate Hoare and Daisy Pearce and Shelley Scott. You haven't even spoken about Daisy Pearce in the forward line and the impact she had. This week. Oh, she had like eight score involvements or something ridiculous. I know. I was awesome. I thought it was it's a master stroke, in my opinion. It was great. The Demons, if they can kick straight, they've still got the same issue again. They're just a little wayward. But they sorted that out after the first few rounds last year. So hopefully oh, they'll fix it. Oh, I don't know. Collingwood, though. Have a little soft spot for Collingwood. I think the Demons, with the addition of Jamie Lamb-Chops, <laughs> On the bench from Collingwood. <laughs> um, I think the Demons were just really comprehensive and, yeah, with Daisy Pierce and the flexibility of throwing Zanka in there as well. Um, for me, she just does a heap more than some other of the Collingwood players. So I Demons. love Zanka playing in the middle. Yep. Absolutely. She's just a beast. I absolutely Love it. I just love rock, watching her. She can row yeah. her. She can, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a jet. I. She was my favourite on the weekend yeah. from that game. Absolutely. LJ has uh, sent in a second, would you rather? Would you rather the Geelong midfield or the Carlton midfield? I think in without. Their form. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the injury of Grace Egan I think I'm backing in Geelong to be honest I think after a couple of rounds that they'll just pull their shit together that's what I'm hoping for anyway I'm going with the experience of Carlton I think I think the Geelong midfield has lots of potential but I reckon if we're talking season 2022 I'm taking the Carlton midfield yeah I'm torn but I think yeah I think I have to go with experience 
and say Carlton as well. I think Geelong did come up against one of the best midfields in the game, minus Carney. Carney. So North mm. were missing Carney. But I think they really gave it to North. And I think that's a really steep learning curve in round one. So I'm I'm backing Geelong just because I think they've got a heap of room to grow. And we'll find out, I guess, later on in the season who pulls it together. Um, yeah, I'm backing in Geelong. I love an underdog. So at gbob underscore nine, would you rather lose Kate Lutkins from your back line, Bree Davey from your midfield, or Izzy Huntington from your forward line? I would rather none of those things. <laughs> Same. Um, but I am going to say it's not a reflection on her ability as a player because I think she's amazing, but I would say maybe Izzy because I'm just not Only sure about Only because they've done it without her already. Yeah, and I'm not sure about Brisbane's ability to cover Lutkins. And I, I, I seriously think that Bree, like out of Collingwood's midfield, is just a huge hole. Yeah, I think that I think the hardest of the three, I reckon the hardest to replace is Lutkins, actually. Um, not, I mean, obviously I'm a massive Bree Davey fan, but mm. I just think Lutkins in... Oh, such a key position on just really controls the game from, I just think, I mean, I don't, maybe I don't know Brisbane's list in depth enough to know if they've even got anyone, but I did, I don't think they have a very tall team. So trying to replace that, I reckon that she's going to be the hardest to replace across the season. Mm. Um, I, I think it might really impact Brisbane. Brisbane's chances actually. Mm. So who's rather lose then? Well, I can't say Brie Davy, can I? So it's got to be. <laughs> I'm going to say Izzy only because I know what leadership she brings off the field, and she she knows what she can deliver. I know Brie's done it once before as well, but I just have every faith in Iz on being an enormous leader off the field as well um i hate that question okay and the final would you rather is from at chris afl wow would you rather defend against a depleted brisbane forward line if they don't draw from their defensive stocks to replace davidson or go for goals in a depleted brisbane back line if they don't draw from their forward stocks to replace the lutkins so basically would you rather defend against a depleted Brisbane forward line or go for goals against a depleted Brisbane back line? I'd be going for goals, I think. Yeah. So it's an extension of my previous comment about I think that's going to be an easier task. Yeah, for sure. And I think it just speaks volumes about the impact of Lutkins, yeah? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be kicking goals. Okay. To round off the show, we're just going to um, recap our footy tips. So um, before the season started, we launched a, uh, an, a This AFL Life tipping competition um, through the AFLW app. Um, if you haven't joined yet, you should definitely join our competition because we've got a bunch of people in it now. It's amazing. Um, so many people. So many people. But just jump into the AFLW app. 
jump into the tipping section, search for this AFL Life in the list of public comps and join. Um, but just to recap, Hiba, how many tips did you get? I got five. So I'm currently coming third out of our group, out of the three of us. I did a stalk of our entire tipping competition. Of course you did. Yeah. I'm coming 51st with a score of five. Then if I scroll up, I find Susan Cadman, who got six. And if I scroll up again to 16th, I find Alison Smirnoff also on six. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good team. And... Do you want to know which one I got wrong? Please. Because I have a history of underestimating Brisbane, I tipped Brisbane. <laughs> oh. Do you want to know the one that I got wrong? I do. Oh, no. I can tell you what it was. It was human error. I tipped <laughs> instead of Richmond and I meant to take Richmond. <laughs> Oh no, Daddy! You would have been like, on seven. Right, sugar. I combined both of those and tipped St Kilda because I gave them the benefit of the doubt, and I also oh, tipped no. Brisbane because I thought they'd come to defend their premiership, but that was not to be. So I'll have to make waves this week with my tipping. I'm not giving anything away. I believe how many people are in the comp. Like, I cannot believe it. It's absolutely absurd. I mean, there's a bunch of people, like, actually don't know, but there's 82 people. That's fine. It. <laughs> it's That's so fine. good. Um, 82 people. Yeah, 82 people in the competition. So thank you, everyone, for getting on board, even if you don't even listen to the show or you haven't <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> we'll take him as fans. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll take you. Um, so this has been a very long-winded evening, as per usual. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up here. If you want to engage with us during the week, you can, because we're on social media, um, at this AFL life. Hiba, are you also on Twitter? I am. What is your Twitter handle? Um, you can follow me if you want at rhibs underscore 19, R-H-I-B for Bravo, B for Bravo, S for Sierra underscore one nine and caddy if people want to follow you on twitter no i wouldn't <laughs> waste don't waste your time just follow these guys i'm old school so you just hear me week to week on the pod and um you can send a carrier pigeon to me if you want to send me a message that's the best way to do it <laughs> uh, and if you want to follow me uh it's just at allison smanoff um and we will see you after Round two. Thanks, fam. Thanks, everyone. See you then. Thanks, Al. Bye.